Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out. The kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I have a great friend and colleague of mine, and I've really been looking forward to doing this session with Martin Johnson from Your Big Picture, because I knew this will be an out-of-the-box experience, and as you will hear, a very different than a normal podcast conversation. Martin is the founder of Your Big Picture, a consultancy that helps teams to connect the dots of the bigger picture so they in a fast and fun way can spot their challenges and opportunities. We talked about the challenges leaders are in right now and the uncertain future they are heading towards and the importance of engaging their teams in helping to solve these challenges. Grab coffee, pencil, notebook and more important a blank piece of A4 paper if you want to participate in our little exercise during the interview. You might learn something new about your team or business. Enjoy! Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast. And in this episode, we have a very good friend of mine and colleague, I would say, Martin Johnson. I can't remember how many years we're talking. I think we're back in 2014 meeting each other. From the first meeting, it was all about people, engagement, thinking out of the box and productivity. And and we keep in contact over the years and we've done some things together. And Martin is here today and we're going to talk a lot about what he does, which is called your big picture. So Martin, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Michael, and thank you for having me. Big fan. Yeah, likewise. Big fan of yours. Been watching, well, listening along to the series, and it's really interesting. I said to you before how I love listening because what it does is it brings to me the sense of connection in business, that everything is kind of connected up, and that, and that's why I love what I do. I'm passionate about helping connect people to the the success of the business, which I know is a passion you share and why we got on so well way back at some of the the exhibitions we met at. Yeah, and and, and one of our big passions is that how do we actually get people to join the dots, as you call it as well? How do we make them see the bigger pictures so they understand where they're going, which direction and what interaction gaps there is within their team or organization? For people that don't know who Martin Johnson is and your big picture is, can you just give them like the overview, the pitch of what you're all about and why you started your big pick and what are you passionate about changing in the world? Absolutely. So way back, I'm a, a business analyst by trade. That's the kind of day job and always learning, collaborating and connecting. And as you said, you used the term there, joining the dots. And it, it was quite a while ago when I was on a number of contracts and guys and ladies who I was working to quite senior in public sector and also financial services, they would say to me things like, go and do that thing that you do. We don't quite know what it is, but go and speak to that team in that part of the business or the organization. There's your train ticket. Come back next week. We've got a board meeting or a senior management meeting. Again, do that thing that you do very quickly that describes how that whole business works. And of course, for me, it's known as an operating model. It's something I became passionate about, very intent on learning different methods. And what I worked out is when I did get to that team and I worked with them, what I was doing was something that I could make a business of which is I solved the problem of how people who don't necessarily have a business background can actually tell their story in business. So as you said, joining their dots, telling their stories, making connections between 
key elements of the business. So in effect, at that point, they were doodles in the book, pretty messy day book. I would nudge it round as one example. I would kind of draw something or represent a, quite a complex issue in the business that they'd mentioned. I would nudge it round just by a few degrees, sat next to them shoulder to shoulder. It was very hands-on making and doing physical rather than screens, linear sequence text. It was very kind of mind mapping type of approach. What I found was by moving and nudging that doodle round to my colleague, who I might not know very well and indeed may not have any form of business background, they would suddenly come alive. And what I found was they would start pointing. It was very much what I call a yes and conversation. So they would say yes and this and the other. So they were what I now call sharing useful truths with me. And that was a really powerful thing. And for me, that allowed me, it gave me the confidence and the authority to pursue uh, turning that niche, that skill, that element of what I did into a product. So basically, I lifted the patterns I was using. I was basically using some simple symbols to represent key elements of the business, which we'll mention a bit more about as we go through some insight, laying it out in a very natural way in terms of it being intuitive. Any point in the conversation that caused any jarring or rippling or required any previous knowledge, any MBA knowledge, any business strategy knowledge, I removed totally. So in effect, I spent five to 10 years leaning and smoothing the approach, which then became the intellectual property, which became the product. We may get onto some books later. The types of books I was reading at the time were around productizing the business in terms of assets and becoming key person of influence, et cetera. And so what I found natural is to take that and turn it into product, wrap some graphic design around it, put a bit of money into the marketing. I had a kind of first wave when I met you at some of the exhibitions. Uh, we used to go off and have that wonderful stand with the, the lampshades, which you used to love to uh, career in and out of and cause <laughs> disruption in the business, which was fantastic, which was a great metaphor. And if you remember, I don't know if you remember what most people used to say. I don't know what your recollection is, Michael. What, what did most people say when they used to stop and look? Because I, I was always intrigued by their reaction to the lampshades. I think I can remember one ask me specifically, and maybe this is not what you're looking for. Are, are you selling lamps? Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and that led into, you know, a, a very easy way to have a conversation where people actually quite quickly got open because suddenly it was just a, a fun human conversation. And that's what, you know, the your big picture is all about when I've used it myself in, in business situations. But yeah, I'll let you get on. Yeah, that's that's great. And and, and that and that reaction and people were certainly intrigued and they, they wanted to interact and it, it triggered something in them. And, that, and that's the reaction I was getting all the time. I kind of back to the story of where it came from. I, I used to take that back to management teams. I used to plug that into the kind of consultancy efforts that your big consultancies might run. And what I found is it was saving us all time because of that level of engagement. So in a nutshell, I was able to get to a wider number of teams, a, a wider community in a shorter space of time through this method of engagement based on giving the team something to do themselves. And therefore, it was a form of codifying the business that then became the intellectual property in the asset that is that is big picture that, that I own. In terms of what I've done more recently, of course, none of this is straightforward in terms of developing a business. I'm very much a product development person. What I lacked a little bit at the beginning was the way to market it and get the message across. So what I try to be better at now is saying that it's all about deploying this for the development of people in the context of a successful business. So you're looking at the development of people, how engagement plays a role in induction, when you start a new role, when you're training, and when you're 
having your performance review and that's at the heart of the people development offer. And then, of course, for business development, where Big Picture started, it's very much about where is the current focus of your business and where are the future plans? Where do you want to go? And I think that's more relevant to where we are now. So that grounding in business analysis and that focusing on engagement has allowed me to develop a business which I'm passionate about and absolutely love. And what I would really like to do today with your help is take people through as many insights as we can in the time in the form of patterns and the way big picture works. Yeah, because this is the interesting thing. It's about you know getting shared insights, and that's also what I've learned with this tool. And and we live in a you know right now in in a time where you know uh, there's a lot of insights flying around. But get these insights pulled together so you actually can create this picture of where your team organization is, because that's one of the things you can control right now. And the way you engage people and the productivity you get out of your team, or if you're working remotely or you're able to meet, this is the key thing right now in my world to move on from this period we're in now. I call it, literally call it the desert walk. True, the the, the valley of death right now, because everything is just thrown up in the air. There's no light, you know, for many, many, many organizations. And there's some very difficult decisions to be made. But you can only innovate yourself out of difficult places when you're in that. And that's your job as the leader is to create that environment for innovation. I think that's, you know, the conversation we have talked about, we want to talk about about today. And that's what I think that really the, the big picture would help you with right now and here. It can help with a lot of things, but that's where I really see the value is massive right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got a specific take on that, that I, that I can talk us through. I think the irony is for me, the irony has always been, and more so now than ever, engagement is an often talked about topic. The professional organizations all talk about it. All big organizations agree it's a challenging area and some of the engagement surveys that go out, some of the reports on them in different countries are absolutely woeful in terms of how employees feel about the organizations that they spend so much time in their week, their precious time working for. That's ironic for me because this top-down vague narrative that often goes with engagement and these kind of percentages are actually not anything to do with the individual and the person. So what I tend to do more and more is break all of that down. So instead of the top-down, outside-in kind of engagement that is often talked about, I actually go very much for the individual at the centre, bottom-up, emergent behaviour. And because of that, you have to believe, by the way, two things. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, how does this actually work? And you're not quite on the same page. Let me test something. You've got to believe that individuals within the business, management team, middle management, operatives, anybody working within the business have great ideas. So I think everybody has those ideas. I don't think we're as good as allowing those ideas to come out. I also think that everything is connected up. So technically that's known as systems thinking, but actually it's much more natural than that, which is everything. If you change one thing and listening to a lot of your podcasts, Michael, what you say is you connect things together. So you say, if you bring in a new customer process, that is going to be connected to the team and that's going to maybe need some funding to bring that in. And there's some technology to help us with that. And those are connections I'm talking about. And we'll, we'll look at some of those key connections that I've found from, to be fair, areas outside of hospitality. But what I'd like to do with your help is kind of bring them into the context of hospitality. You know, businesses have got to be successful and, and willing to act on what their employees think. So it's all well and good listening 
to what their employees think if they believe they've got good ideas. But a people-first, values-based business will demonstrate and evidence how they take those ideas and put them into action. And with the work that I do and with Big Picture, what we do all the time is we make sure we end on the challenges and opportunities. And I can go into this challenge around re-engagement is key, but I'll just pause there, Michael, in case you've got a reflection on that. It's so interesting, the thing with bringing your team in, especially in difficult times. I'm involved in a, in another business called The Bear Kitchen. And we we had, a you know, like any other food business, a rough ride in all this. And one of the decisions we made was to go and help to feed the the NSS heroes and that didn't come from the founders that was actually came out of a you know we're not semi-structured conversation about what can we do to create revenues what can we do to to survive this and, and we involved our team very quickly in this of course we had some initial meetings but then we said we need to hear their view because if we want them to travel on this difficult journey through the desert I call it we need to get them involved with ideas and it was actually one of the staff's ideas why don't we go and feed the local community you know homeless people or the NSS and that way we found the way into hospitals ourselves we were not contacted by them we found a way in and we worked the way in together with the team and the team still talks about this even though we have, we hibernated the business for the moment and waiting to see what happens in the world these you know first six weeks of this pandemic where or two months where we didn't shut down but actually we were able to continue because we engaged the team the founders wouldn't have sought this out because our minds was just in how the hell do we make this business survive so I think again it shows the power of sometimes when you engage people and they know much more than you think. They should be smarter people than you. That's why you hired them. Yeah, the, the benefits there are twofold for me, which is predominantly you have then an employee who has had a chance and one of the members of the team to have a voice across the whole organization some from the bottom up. And that's really important. What I find with a lot of the sessions I run, it matters less that their idea has been picked up and put into action. It matters more that they've been involved in that conversation. And I think the reason organizations are not so good at that and they end up sending out engagement surveys that are question and answer based is no one has approached them and got in a position where they've presented a straightforward and elegant way that scales up to have that conversation across the whole business. Now, I feel I've got that with big picture, and that's why we're looking to work with clients who want to achieve that level of engagement in a different way, and now is the time to do it. And they have time constraints, and they have cost constraints, and they're willing to trust that this supplier, i.e. me and big picture, can come in because we've spent 20, 30 years nutting out the complexity of the business in form of key elements. Now, when, when we go into these places, we fully expect that these employees are going to be, you know, in strange circumstances, potentially working remotely, less engaged than ever, potentially. Business is inviting employees back into the workplace now, and it's much trickier in terms of engagement. If it was bad before, it's now worse. You know, the landscape is dramatically different. We'll be trying to put in place things to resume operations. The same challenges will be there from before, but actually new challenges. This is only going to cause a dramatic dip in an already very poor level of engagement. And it's the same in every country. It's kind of a, a commentary on the corporate ecosystem in which we we kind of got into the top-down command and control kind of culture that, that still exists in various pockets. And I'm sure it does in elements of hospitality as it does across, but I'm referring back to my background in 
public sector, financial services, etc. You know, some employees are going to come back on different hours and earnings. Others might, you know, they might have to perform a dual role. It may be lower paid. It may be alien. The senior members of the team, equally, they're going to be uncomfortable. Frustration, competition amongst their members of staff. Potentially, they've come back at different times from the furlough. All these things are going to present them a challenge. And then you have the senior manager, the buyer in there in terms of how do we get this team back together in terms of do we get help to do this or do we actually try and re-engage the team ourselves and they're going to be fighting a very difficult battle and I'd love to go into a few insights Michael if you think this is the right time about how big picture helps with that and the patterns that people can take and apply to their own businesses. Yeah and I think I just uh, I'll just tail in what you just said there because I think it's so interesting when you're saying bringing back your team there hasn't been lots of talk about that and maybe there's a lot of talks outside the, the public domain but if you think from a content point of view or and I think it's so interesting that bringing back your team is probably the biggest challenge of them all the other things are static that thing is not going to be static it's going to be uh, fired with emotions and fears because we're in the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy and I think as a leader getting those people on the same page and being able to find a destination or some kind of sense in all that together with them it's going to be your biggest job i also call this direction when i work with uh, managers how do you get your team a clear direction or purpose or what people call it and i think that's a missing point i haven't heard yet and i'm sure it's going on in businesses right now i think that's where the key and then and let's let's go over to the insights and we will probably touch on that but how do you bring your team back and how do you get the best out of them because it's going to be difficult times. So you you want to get the best out of them from a productivity point of view, engagement point of view, and of course, results point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned productivity then for me and, and my work under the cover of of big picture, it's, it's powered by a belief that you start by sharing useful truths. I think there are three lovely words there. In fact, I like them so much. I've developed the first law of engagement to encapsulate that formulaic approach to sharing a useful truth. All those three words are really important. Sharing as in externalizing, useful, i.e. you can do something with it. And it's a truth that that particular individual believes at the time. And if you have that underpinning belief that you've shared a useful truth that gives you the end the basis to go on to the second law which is around productivity so let's get on to the insights and if you would michael i know this is a bit different for, for your sessions but if there's a listener if you're listening out there and you'd like to follow along with a couple of these insights i'll be referring to something on the page so if you have have got a piece of paper handy just an a4 if you're okay with it michael i'll just ask them to fold it in a certain way that's brilliant. That's fine with me. <laughs> You've clearly reached over to get a piece of paper yourself. I, I'm, I'm involved. Brilliant. Let's uh, make it a making and doing session, which I really like. So A4 piece of paper folded into thirds in one way, then thirds into the other way as well. So you should end up, if you're late on the desk in front of you, with nine boxes. And if you lay it in the landscape layout, so it's uh, kind of long side at the top, you should end up with nine boxes, which I'm going to loosely refer to as numbers one, two, three along the top, four, five, six along the middle, and seven, eight, nine. And you may hear me when I'm talking about some of the insights to those numbered boxes. How was that for you, Michael? Yeah, all good. 
ready to go. Excellent. So let's get into one of one of the insights. I was dying to jump into this because when I run my sessions, I love the sessions to flow. So when somebody mentions something, I love to kind of riff around that and pick it up and run with it. And we've talked a little bit about when looking at the business and re-engaging with the team, you know, the why and the purpose at the top. Now on the big picture products, it's at the top and it's got its own space. But in box one, just over to the top left-hand side, getting your employees back in a room, whether it's a Zoom room or any other form of video conference or better still physically, an interesting conversation about the purpose and sharpening up on that why. And the reason that's really important is because so many things have changed in the external world in which this business exists and remember it's a pretend structure you know a company a business is a pretend structure it's made up legally what's really important is the people and the team within it so when people say business is all about the people then absolutely and this is why we're talking about the people first and we're looking at the purpose so the way we would re-engage the team is we wouldn't ask them to read off from the, the last board report or what's on the internet. We would ask and remind our team and employees what they think the purpose of the business is. And, and we're trying to sharpen the why. Now, the fact of the matter is when I run this with a lot of businesses, some businesses have a really good purpose and a why. So it could be something that stands true today and hasn't changed. So I'm thinking of something less practical about maybe helping people make best use of their leisure time. They might go on to say through eating and drinking or something of that ilk in the hospitality sector. Now, to me, that is a great purpose to kind of work underneath. And I know there are some great companies out there. I think the guy from Leon that you had on explained theirs. And I think that was a really good example purpose of some being better than others. A not so good one for me would be something in the purpose of the business that got actually quite specific about how something was done. Or I also see purposes around making money. So yes, that is an end goal and that keeps the business alive. But actually, what are you really doing for that end customer? So I don't know whether your listeners kind of want to follow along, Michael, or you've got an example in mind of a good or bad purpose that you might might share that you may have seen on your travels. I think there's one that is clear to me is one I, I work on myself. It's always easier. So in, in the bear kitchen, we are trying to change the world by the way we eat. That's our purpose, to make the world better by the food we eat. That's excellent. And we do that by learning people to eat like bears. And bears primarily eat plant-based. They actually don't eat a lot of meat. They get most of their calories from plants. Occasionally, they will get a bit of meat either for a hiker or a fish they find on, on the river. But that, again, that will never be processed food. It will always be, you know, the pure stuff. So, yeah, that's the, definitely one that, that comes to me very clearly as a purpose I, I live by myself as well yeah and I, I like the fact you've used a very visual kind of metaphor one based on a bear because that brings with it all the associations of that which you can then talk around and that becomes very accessible and something it's a storytelling method that everybody probably within the team can engage with we would take that so imagine your team sat around and at this point they've all been asked for their own individual view and you might get them together in little groups we move on to the, the customer we kind of triangulate three things you know the why the purpose being one the customers and how things have changed for the customer. So if we put the purpose in box one up in the top left, on box four, which is just beneath it, that's where we would start the customer journey running through 
four, five, and six. So the customer journey running left to right across the page. And what this is allowing us to do with the team is we're in effect giving them the meanings of things that they can then join together themselves. So this is the first time we introduce a symbol, which will be customer. The reason that's important from listening to some of your previous podcasts, Michael, is that clearly the challenge we have now is that that customer flow footfall as you might call it or the number of orders etc that that customer flow has pretty much stopped for all intents and purposes in the way that it was working before so what we would talk about with the team about re-engagement is around let's think about things from the customer perspective what's actually changed is it a lack of money and is it a change in their behavior is it driven by need or must or desire and and like and desire what's actually driving their behavior and what we would do in the kind of short space we've got here is just plot out the customer through the different touch points and obviously customer journey front of house is something that translates very well into hospitality as it does by the way all of these patterns work in different businesses so financial sector you know public sector whatever it is sme and up to the big corporates these patterns that we're talking about now if you get them right are going to be applicable to any size of business in any sector and that's why they're powerful in the way that they work if we move into the center of the page which is our box five this is where operations is and this is the third point of the triangle and this is the most powerful pattern I could suggest that you have introduced to the conversations with your team when they come back on board. So operations and delivery, this is where the customer sits right at the center of the page. And it's almost got like a little cycle around it. And it's really useful to think about keeping the customer at the center of the page and you're providing them value. And what's interesting for me is this is where product and service comes in. Now, my take on hospitality is very much about food service. I think that's right. I think is it's more service than product. Is that is that a fair observation? Yeah, I think I think you know the food is just a vehicle to, but it, what what people are really buying is a service in a way. And of course, the meal has to be good. That's no doubt about that. But again, what you really talk about is these special moments or experiences you have in in in, in restaurants. And again, we are not selling products; we are selling services. Yeah, and that and then what's interesting here in terms of that pattern is that some patterns come into play in a specific hospitality backdrop some do better than others but one thing with big picture and the work i do is really important nothing necessarily has to be right or wrong remembering back to sharing useful truths it's just something people think is right in their opinion at the time and in a way i've just done with you michael from time to time we'll kind of share a view as to how you might see it so we're talking about customer. Some hospitality businesses might talk about clients. I don't know if there are different names for the people that you serve. Is there, is there, are there any other names that spring to mind? That, and who do you call your consumers of Bear Kitchen? Uh, we, we call them our customers or clients, depending on if it's a business to business or, but that's, that's the, the language we yeah. use. Yeah. And that's important. Even if you almost know the answer, what's good when re-engaging with the team and bringing them back in is the fact that you're adopting their language. It's kind of, we love our mirror neurons. And whilst I'm not trained in psychology, I do know what works and sometimes a little bit of positive feedback particularly for those employees who we rem remember in a potentially you know, uncomfortable state of mind with coming back in, it's good to get that conversation
conversation going as long as it's done kind of quickly in a safe environment and and there's going to be an output from it which i'll kind of move on to so we've got our customer in the center of the page there now you've got a triangle there if you've followed along you've got the purpose in box one you've got some form of thinking about the customer in box four and then at the center of the page you've got the real value in terms of delivery what service if it is the service are you delivering and this is where we can speed up because the other key elements of the business i would urge you to think about in terms of a pattern and i won't pick them off in any particular order but you can take your own view as to how relevant this is to the conversation this is about where was our business? You know, you might say, where was our business when the hiatus struck, when COVID-19 struck? And of course, by getting the conversation going around that, which is easier, you can then go on to, well, where do we need to be? And I'm just going to throw some prompts in that we would use at this point. So looking at that customer journey left to right, you know, which teams have the main responsibility, which individuals have that responsibility for interfacing off to the customer? And that could be your front of house, etc. And we always start with the team and the customer. And uh, it's all about the people because it's an easier thing for us to talk about. Now, what's interesting to throw our other four key elements at it is you talk, I've seen a lot around technology. So technology is an enabler. We're getting here onto the kind of IC as the kind of brains of the operation. So far, the people are like the heart and we're getting onto the kind of brain. So how does technology support everything we've talked about so far? And this is where it starts to get clever because what you start doing is connecting things together. So it becomes a bit of a tree walk. So for instance, how does technology support us in the delivery of that purpose? How does the technology support the customer and how does it enable us to deliver our service in brackets, maybe some products as well? And I think because you spend a lot of time, I think the, the technology stack that Rob, one of your other guests, talked about is interesting because I think what he's done rather cleverly, he's picked off a lot of the key points of the business that can be best supported by technology. As the leader, you should see technology as a helping hand to actually spend time on what really matters, which is communicating your purpose, engaging your team, and let technology do what it does really well, which is automating boring processes like spreadsheets, as Rob mentioned on the podcast I did with him. And I think I think that's, again, you know, how can you actually use that to spend more time on communicating your purpose or live out your purpose or give the experience of your purpose? Many kind of things. So, so technology is not just relevant from an operational point of view. It's actually relevant that you actually get time as a leader to spend time on what really matters, which is set the direction, set the right team, and then start building the culture you need with inside your business, because that's what have long-term really massive impact on your business, no matter what environment you operate in. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why these patterns are so powerful. So hopefully somebody following along to this, probably in the hospitality sector, could apply this pattern to their own business. And, it, and if it triggers a thought that they could be a little bit better about conducting that conversation with their team, then all the better. And I love that. And I'll show you how it bounces about. You've just mentioned their management and leadership. Well, you mentioned leadership, Michael, but to extend it out to management, referring to box eight on the page, which is kind of bottom and center, particularly relevant for big picture to have that as the leadership buoying up everything that goes above. So management and leadership isn't necessarily so close to the customer journey running through boxes four, five, and six. It is there to support. Yes, they might have a hands-on role and that's fine. However, 
in this context, it's more about the management and leadership and the admin. And I group those together towards the bottom. I'm going to speed up. I'm going to throw three other symbols at it. We use the symbol to prompt conversation. And we generally do it using prompt cards, which are kind of easily and freely available. They're just a set of questions that you could have with your team if they had something like this in front of them. One of our symbols is about measures. It's one of the symbols on the, the head stage of the path, which next to technology is what good looks like. So what would you measure? You can see now how if I were to say to you, what would you measure? You should probably glance down and think, actually, my brain's thinking measure. My visual clue is that I've got a number of places in the business that could define good. So I would take the measure symbol and place it somewhere now, there is a kind of set of measures that we have that I've heard mentioned in some of the other podcasts, which is how many people do we get through the door? What's the average spend? What's the average number of transactions? How many times do they come back? I hope you can now see from the patterns that we're using, you could easily take three or four of those measures and place them. And guess what? If they're not balanced across the page, it is a bit of a visual clue that you've probably not covered all the measures. And the last two are the, the money and the processes. So money, where you know, where's the money in? Where's the money out? Clearly, you've got this coming through the customer journey because the customer's paying for the food service that is being offered. But there's also other elements of money that you can introduce into the conversation. And who knows, somebody on your team might have an idea about money, maximizing profit or reducing inefficiencies and costs that you may not have heard of yet. And that's going to be ultra valuable in the conversation going forward. And the last but not least, probably the least sexy of all the symbols, but really important nonetheless, the processes. And what I was going to say, Michael, in terms of connections, by connecting those very small number of symbols together in a very straightforward way, the number of permutations you can come up with is incredible. And therefore, the conversation that results off the back of that is amazing. And it's as simple as it can be without being any simpler, which is, I believe, somebody once said who was very intelligent. And I believe it that this is as simple as it can be in terms of understanding the business and the conversation that ensues, but without being any simpler. And I'm just going to delve down on the, the money one, because I know that's probably one of interest to most of your listeners at the moment. When we talk about the, the, the money bit, because like business is always money i think that what's interesting here in the the big picture thing is that it's not the, the center of it but actually it's part of the journey but it's not the first thing you talk about when you take people to the product it comes after actually you have been talking about all the important elements in the business your purpose your customers your employees your operation then the money bits comes and i guess it's the money in money out and where is money spent to create a business that really matters and i think right now money matters because it's energy for in my view it's energy to to drive you forward and always is but right now there's also a survival element of it so how do I get my furlough payment? How do I get my bounce back loans? How do I get funding for the future? How much money do I need to get started again? And and you're doing all these different scenarios model. You're doing your PL, you're doing your forecasts. What can I afford? What can't I afford? Cash flow analysis. Uh, when I'm gonna have revenue again, September, July, wherever it is. So yeah, so I think money plays a very big part of right now of an attention thing. But yeah, the money doesn't come if you don't do the other things. I think that's very important also in the new world absolutely you've picked on something there that that's really important if you started a money conversation with colleagues if you were seeking to re-engage colleagues back into the workplace and you started with money my observation my experience would be 
that is going to be very much a different kind of conversation than you would have had if you had started with the purpose, the why, let's remember why we're here, who are you, where you're working, what's your role, who are you working with on a day-to-day basis, who's our customer. That is around a purpose and a people conversation, and that's a great place to start. As you've pointed out, the money comes secondary to that, but by now you've got in front of you, or each team member has, the backdrop for that conversation. And I've got I've got four patterns and I'm, I'm gonna try these in the time because I determined to come on this and share as many insights as I can in the time that we've got, Michael. So I'm going to go for the changing credit circumstances that some of your listeners might be experiencing in the business. So I've not talked so far about box two at the top, which is around, we use that for our partners and suppliers. Now, supply chain, I guess, is all important to a, a business in the, hospitality sector and and I ran a webinar recently and what what came out was it was interesting to kind of plot the connections with uh, a changing credit backdrop so for a business that's struggling with their credit or their finance then what we had a really good and positive conversation around was there's really two elements of that and there were some really good ideas about what what can be done about it so one is along the lines of supply chain so coming in from the partners and suppliers at the top and one idea was what's the difference can some of our suppliers work more collaboratively and become partners? Can we change some of the processes around the way that we pay our suppliers? So change some of the payment terms. And if you start now to spot some of the connections with some of the key elements of the business in form of the symbols, then it becomes very easy to have a connected conversation. We've already talked there about money, about process, and I could throw in technology and probably say, how are we going to measure that and which team? You know, you can go nuts and start layering in the same symbols just in a different context. Clearly, you need to understand when you do that what the challenges and opportunities are, which is why our last two symbols of the eight are challenges and opportunities. So you would give somebody in the room when you're re-engaging the team the chance to express what they feel a challenge. We all know what that face looks like or the arms crossed someone's a bit grumpy what a great idea but we can't do that there is a challenge that's fine let's take it let's get it on the board so we've got challenges and of course with challenges we can flip them into opportunities so a simply around changing credit you have the the supply chain conversation anybody got any ideas about that and then secondly you have where you take money from the customer and i guess there should be some innovation around changing the way that the customer brings payment into the business and and what i'd like to float at this point is the idea that you know there are innovations and things that work rather well in different businesses in different sectors and one of the creative elements of this kind of conversation is you can say if this works well in this sector how could it work in hospitality? And one that just comes to me, which has probably got no application, but I'm going to say it nonetheless, a subscription-based model or something of that ilk that works rather well for an online content provider. Take a look at that face in the room when you say, what if we take that idea and we plonk it in our cafe, in our delicatessen, in our restaurant? How might that work? Now, remember, there is no right and wrong. We're definitely in brainstorming mode. But what we're doing is we're joining those dots and making connections in new and innovative ways. And I think that's the way brains like to work, which is why it's incredibly accessible to lots of people. And I've got three more patterns to share, Michael, but I'll just pause to reflect. Covered that one quite quickly. If you look at some of the operators been very successful under this is that they have a membership club. Like you can be a member 
of their restaurant or they sell more than just the, the restaurant experience. You can get special discounts, you get special information, special evenings and so on. And one operator I know really well, Carl Jones from Mushimo, he had to go take away and take out. And that was normally not what the prime on the business, but he's been doing okay because he already had his membership thing in place so there's already proof that this actually can work in the restaurant world and he has one restaurant but these people were so loyal to him during lockdown that he had to bring more people back from furlough because they were busy so again it's an example of again that you build a tribe as said godin calls as well one of our favorites shared favorite thinkers and they really tried to do that and i think you'll see the operator that's, that's gonna come out of this you know nobody's gonna come out of it well come out of it better they definitely had that kind of element in their business and i i've seen that myself when i talk with operators they have these raving fans uh, either they've done that you know really purposefully setting up that structure or it's just happened by itself via their Facebook group or whatever they done and slowly by organically growing that but I think that for me is like a subscription model that's very powerful that translate into more than just a subscription of a membership to get special things but actually gives you support when you need it because they don't want you to disappear you are too important in their life and I think at this point, it becomes a bit like a jigsaw puzzle. So I'm going to join the dot to dot with the jigsaw puzzle. But there's a reason why these things have lasted many years is because we like to interact and we like to play along. And given the right stimulus, more people can be involved in that conversation. And it doesn't need to be just the management team taking the responsibility for that. Clearly, they have a, a leadership role and a governance role. But this is about just nudging up the percentage of people who can be given an outlet to be part of the conversation. And in order to do that, we need to give something that's straightforward and something for them to be accessible. So I'll give you another example of that. And it's around, we talked about the product and the service earlier. If we come back to that, and this one might not translate, but at that center of the page in box five, is there something that we can turn from a service into a product and does that still fit? It's a rhetorical question, but if you're following along for your own business, does that then still fit the purpose? And that's a really good conversation. And if it doesn't, is it because the product you came up with is needing a change or actually more challenging? Do you need then to change the purpose at the top? And I think when you get to something as fundamental as that, if you were to consider changing the purpose, clearly you've then got to think about the ripple effect on what the customer, how the customer is going to perceive that. Are they even the same customer? How is that going to change your marketing? which is in box four. Clearly, it's going to change box five, which is the delivery and operations. If you bring in a new product, your partners and suppliers in box two need to be considered with all the various symbols that we've talked about previously. The management and administration are clearly going to have to play a role in that. And box six, which we've not touched on, is that final part of the customer journey, which is what do we do for existing customers? So if we're going to bring in a new product or service, that's a great idea. But the impact of that is going to be in remembering everything is joined up now. So therefore, we've covered, if you're ticking off the boxes, a bit like a bingo game, we've pretty much ticked off the boxes two, four, five, six, and eight, which are the main parts of the business pattern. Now, what I would say, and a couple of patterns I pinched from an event that I run around digital transformation, you know, which has its own role to play here in terms of technology, but it's more of a transformation pattern, which is, you know, change is hard and bringing in anything new, however 
needy and desperate we are to change that in the business, any form of change or transformation is difficult. And one of the patterns we looked at is if you're going to do that, well, there's two ideas for you. One is if you're going to transform, don't try and do everything at the same time, because that kind of big bang approach can sometimes be challenging and actually you lose the good stuff because you're just trying to bite off too much. So although it might feel like we're in desperate times, actually chunking up the transformation. And one way to do that, which we came up with, was that you can bring forward a kind of innovation process, which is a kind of sub-team to look at that innovation that you're bringing. So you can have your own hard measures to make sure the kind of business case and the funding gets signed off. You can develop your own innovation processes. You can feel the team in that innovation process that you feel represents the whole business in whatever that means to you. So you can see in the way I'm talking, I'm just picking off key symbols to think about how you divide and conquer when it comes to making a change because that risk is still there however desperate you are to make the change there is still now a need to run that and manage that transformation correctly so splitting off your innovation process off there and another little pattern that we came up with is is managing scope so if you look across boxes four five and six you've got the whole customer journey there one great pattern that came out of our digital transformation event was the fact and maybe you can help Help me, Michael, translate this into hospitality so much, which is you don't need to transform maybe the whole customer journey running through marketing operations or customer care. There was this idea that Chip and Dan Heath came with and it, it was brought to the event, which was a peak moment in that customer journey is sufficient for your customer to think of you differently and more memorably and something they would then share and tell their friends about, which is kind of the raving fans. So actually you could just chunk up one part of the customer journey and having that conversation or introducing that concept to the team in terms of re-engagement is likely to be more practical and something the team might see as more doable and achievable than saying this business, you know, the whole purpose has to change and everything we do has to change. That sounds too scary to me. So chunking up one or two peak moments on that customer journey may be a better pattern to start with and then use agility and iteration to come back around and broaden the scope. Yeah, I think uh, hospitality is all about how you make people feel. There will be different, you know, touch point for the individual people, but there could be still things you can think about how they, you know, if you take it to digital angle, how do they engage with your digital experience and what kind of feeling are they getting to that but language can be very powerful the way the language you use on this digital journey can change things or how easy it was to put the order through could be something you know the one click thing or whatever it is you need to do with digital i think it's a lot about how you make people feel i think these are the points you have to keep as you go you take your hospitality business and make it digital because it is possible with language design graphic to make people feel that they're still part of they know they're very aware that it's not a sit-down experience they're not engaging with the waiter or what it is but they still feel they get a bit of this culture and purpose of the organization so i think that's where you know for me if we talk digital transformation in hospitality i think that's keeping it human and thinking about how can you keep the language the, the graphics human as you we we move into the more digital approach in hospitality that would be my 
top of mind angle on it. Yeah, the magic moment for me is by this time in a conversation where people have got the symbols and they think, oh, well, this is it. I can work with this. You're making your own connection. So I call it windowsill facilitation. When you're re-engaging the team, by the end, you should be probably sat on the windowsill watching them do their good work because they know stuff and they're sharing useful truths and they're making the connection between the technology the customer and them themselves as the team. And that could be in marketing, it could be in delivery, or it could be in customer care, you know, and, and that's when they start dotting about. So I've tried to pack as many patterns in. I've got books full of these that they, they kind of come out my ears. And we harvest a load of business intelligence, which I'll always be happy to share generally with it with anyone interested. And hopefully people have got if they're listening in, a few little notes in front of them as to, as to where to go looking. And if you have got a white space on the page, have a think, well, well, why is it white? Why have I not looked at management and admin so much? Why have I not looked at customer care? And actually throw some of the symbols at them and it will instigate a conversation that will probably lead to something useful. Yeah, that, that was that was very different. We haven't done that before. I'm, I'm sure that there's different pieces of papers in front of people right <laughs> now. I hope so. But they, they can reach out, as you say, and we will be happy to... To facilitate and have a conversation about these blind spots because it's actually about finding out where your blind spots are in a way often as I see you when you work with the big picture tools. So yeah, so that was very different. That was really good, uh, Martin. So all the thinking and you alert to it a bit yourself as well comes from you know your own experience but also from books. We can almost have a session on books in itself. What kind of books have actually inspired you on this journey what are your top three books if we will have to keep it controlled in a way and you think that people should go and read to make sure they create better innovation and uh, engagement within their teams the books i've got in mind are probably define my mindset more than engagement as, as such because kind of it's my approach to business rather than my approach to engagement so the danger i have is i read books and then i act on them and so way back, I read E-Myth, which is an entrepreneurial myth book written by Michael Gerber, which was an amazing book about the lady that made pies. And uh, you can tick these off, Michael, as I go through in case we've swapped them before. That taught me that providing a service is one thing, but you can only make so much money because you've only got so much time in the week. So create a product and an asset. And that's been a theme with Daniel Priestley more recently, etc. The Rich Dad Poor Dad, I'm back online with him. Uh, Robert's sending out some really good material with a bit of salesy stuff with it as well so that's the get asset unfortunately i followed his advice with the property alongside my business so that's buying me a little bit of time at the moment you said three so i'm going to batch my last four into one section and see if i can get away with it tipping point amazing gladwell how we connect you and i and you've mentioned earlier we met ages ago and we continue and there'll be that call something along the lines of black swan by nicholas taleb around you set yourself up for a black swan event anti-fragile by the same guy nick taleb benefit from uncertainty never before has there been a better book to read if you want to benefit from this current uncertainty he speaks very passionately about us not being able to predict bad things but when they do happen be practiced and ready to stick to your core and go forward and then the last one isn't really a book it's actually a thing i don't know if it's been turned into a book but it's effectuation uh, which is e double f at the beginning not affectuation effectuation which is the things they don't teach entrepreneurs which is all about protecting the down side 
leaving yourself open to the upside, using the resources you have and looking for that lemonade moment of which this afternoon with you, Michael, is one of those moments where you come together with somebody and create something of value that you couldn't see coming. So there's a few books there and uh, yeah, danger sign for me. I read a book and I act on it. So I've got to be careful which books I read just in case I go off on a tangent. It could be the wrong book. I have all of these books besides the last one you said. So I just made a note here, but we'll put them in the show notes so people can find them as well as they uh, look for inspiration but they are all amazing books and also I agree with it's about they inform your mindset more than the individual uh, engagement in uh, a product and so on how are you keeping yourself as a business owner on top of your game and mentally ready for the opportunities as you just said I think we're going to be in the biggest point in our lifetime with opportunities in the coming years yeah, so that's an interesting one. So it's one I challenge myself on every day, clearly mindset. I mean, there's a basic level for me, which is physically being in shape is really important. So one of my coping techniques with the family around me is to have the ability to train regularly and to be physically fit. I think that's really important. It helps sleep. Try and eat the right things, but no no one's a saint. There's too many biscuits around. In terms of focus on the business, then I have got a bit of a get out with that because I absolutely believe this is a life work piece for me. This is an asset that I'm building in terms of my approach to engagement that I 100% want to bring to the party. And therefore, it means my approach to business development is somewhat different in that with my property alongside, I can afford times when I focus solely on the core message and the increasing of the network and the development work around big picture that allows me to do that. And so I'm running a bit blind. I'm not getting the client work. Some of that has fallen off. A lot of it has fallen off. The attendance at workshops has fallen off while people focus on the the core business. However, because it's got a bedrock of my life work in terms of passion of engagement, I continue because that's what I want to do with my time. I really enjoy it. I love these conversations. And I think you can see from some of the patterns, we deal with some quite complex conversations really simply. And that's the thing I love. If I could fill my week with sharing useful truths and practice what I preach, then not bothered about retirement, working differently, doing this, that or the other. That's what I enjoy. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And that's what's keeping me sane at the moment. Whether I'll be saying that in a year's time and I'm doing the same thing, Michael, I'm not so sure. But for now, I'm in my office, happy, having conversations, running webinars, waiting for those clients to come along who say, I want to re-engage my team in this way. I can see how you do it quickly. I can see how you do it with the person at the center. And that would be my future client base. It sounds like you have different elements that you use right now, even though you there's no sales, you use your business almost like therapy in a way. It's It makes you feel a bit more sane. It makes you feel purposeful. And maybe it's not all of it that's really going to give you what you expected putting into it, but you learn something. And if you have that, mentality i often think that you will come out much stronger on the other side because i think the most dangerous thing i always say that to people don't stop doesn't mean you have to work your guts 24 7 all night around but you just have to move keep on moving forward if you're not growing and moving you're dying yeah and i remember our flywheel conversation from way back has just come to me which still is relevant which is a flywheel you know just needs nudging around as long as it's going in a forwardly direction infinite game all of that stuff and that's what feels natural to me 
I, I don't need to compare or worry about what people think. I think we're all allowed to spend our precious time in the way that we wish by protecting our family around us and taking various decisions, but also spending more of our time doing things that we love. I try and help others do that as well as practice that myself. In the end of the podcast, I always ask for, you know, three advice. We just take, you know, where we are right now. Don't know if we're in the middle of the pandemic. We're in this waiting position right now. What would your advice be to, to leaders of teams and organizations out there? You know, don't be afraid as a leader and as business owner, opening up that conversation to your team. If there was ever a time to do it, then giving them, you said, the language, the lexicon of how the business is going to survive and work through, you know, open up that conversation, be brave, open up. So that would be my first bit of advice. Number two, because of that, and already you have loads of challenges and we get that, it's Edward de Bono's black hat thinking. However, harvesting challenges, even if you're talking them through, can be therapy, as you say, in itself. So formally identifying, understanding and sharing what those challenges are. And you've very much got a kind of divergent conversation. You don't quite know where that's going to go. But probably that's the kind of conversation people want to get off their chests. And then thirdly, where we end with our symbols is that happy note opportunities light bulb on every challenge presents the flip of an opportunity even if it's something you can't take up now always try and end on an opportunity and if you need to introduce something creative between the challenge and opportunity then do so but actually you can then use that to kind of converge a view that everyone's signed up for and what, what team you do have left and what business you do have you fully engage them and you're going forward and I think there are going to be more businesses like that than fewer because that's a survival technique in itself. That was uh, super rise, Martin, and very, very concise. There's no bigger chance than now because you're allowed to have any conversation because nobody expects you to action on everything. But actually, you can explore things you couldn't do before, not just for the sake of it, but actually to get the most possible angles on your challenges and opportunities. Many people think that when you bring people together is for problem solving. But I actually believe sometimes you get some amazing opportunities out you haven't even thought about yourself because you can't have it all in your head and also you you will maybe discounted as you said earlier in the conversation that opportunity because oh we already done that it's not going to work but everything we're starting from scratch every every business now is from zero and we all have different resources and teams and so on but in principle it's all from scratch and we're all starting at zero running i think if you have that mindset then then there's massive opportunity coming ahead yeah i think that's absolutely right no those ecosystems that embody that and have, have done this bit well in the time that we do have will be great businesses and uh, it will take time but there is that chance to do that if we approach it in the right way good martin thank you very much for for your time here i know we could go on forever and we already have blasted the, the timeline but it, it was really good so so thank you very much for coming on the podcast and talking a bit about the, the importance of having the big picture when it comes from uh, creating direction purpose and uh, productivity within teams and organizations thank you very much really enjoyed it Thank you, Martin, for sure something different than a normal podcast conversation. But I'm sure we sparked some insights and new ways to see the world, people and teams. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate or subscribe to one of our channels. If the subject around team engagement interests you, I would recommend you also to visit our previous episode, episode 34, Love It or Leave It, Creating Workplace Happiness with Samantha Clark. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for your support on the podcast. Tune in next time for another interview 
you. And in the meantime, find out more about us or subscribe to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.